Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. All right. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, and also Rochelle's adorable new dog, Enzo, who is uh, very cute, who the audience cannot see, but... Uh, amazing dog, <laughs> puppy. Uh, today, we're going to talk about decision intelligence. And Rochelle, this was a term that I'd never heard before until uh, until you brought up the topic. <laughs> so uh, when I was researching it before uh, we talked, it's, it's very interesting. And I'm sure I'll get a lot of this wrong. But pretty much business intelligence or decision intelligence is using data or advanced data, or I'd maybe even call it like artificial intelligence to make business decisions. So like in general, when we think about making a business decision, we have this sort of flow of like, what are the requirements? What do we want something to do? What does the customer want? What's the cost going to be? And then we implement that, like using all of the, like those sort of simple data pieces we gather. But in decision uh, intelligence, <laughs> it's using like real data, right? Like our human brains are, human brains are great. Uh, for the most part, uh, enjoy having a brain, but we're not like computers, right? We don't have all the data. We don't have all the data sets. We don't have, we've got uh, our own personality mixed into all this stuff. And from what I can understand this, uh, when we talk about data intelligence, we're talking about using massive sets of data to make these business decisions, which I think like many things, like the intention of that is really good because it saves human brain power and can hopefully get biases out of the way. But uh, as I'm sure we'll talk about, that's not uh, that's not always the case. <laughs> and, and 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 if you think about this, if you think about the evolutions of, of decision intelligence and all that stuff, so you know, not maybe 10, 15 years ago, we had business analytics and business decisions and things like that. So if you think about it from the most practical practical sense, so credit so it used to be if you wanted to buy a car you went down to your bank they pulled an application checked your credit checked to make sure you're paying your bills and that person typically would say yes we grant you a loan and you know here are the criteria for that loan well that process was flawed in and of itself also but what's really interesting about business analytics decision intelligence and all these other platforms that are slowly taking us somewhere right so you use decision intelligence every day. So if you go to your Netflix and sign in to whoever you are, and then you start searching for a movie. Mm -hmm. So Netflix, um, AWS account or whomever they are with now, they started out with Amazon, you know, had all of these movies and shows there, right? And so if you typed in the word um, Tuesday, it would then start looking for things that were Tuesday and present them to you. Mm -hmm. Decision intelligence does the same thing, but it's a whole lot more data, right? So everything we have talked to you about where technology is concerned is based on a data point of some type, right? So IOTs, uh, automation algorithms, machine learning, all of them are, are based on data points, right? So in, other, in, order, in, a, in other words, for the machine to start learning, you've got to give it something to learn, right? And then yeah. it's got to learn from that. So if you can assume that two plus two is four, then you leave it to the computer 
to assume that four plus four is eight and so forth on and learn as it goes. So it understands the entire structure of that mathematical challenge. So if you want to know whether it makes good sense for your business to move to the cloud or move to something else, most times you bring in your best text, you all sit around, you chew on it. The leadership has already thought about the budget to some degree, but you know when the texts get in, you get more detailed information. Each of those texts is a data point, right? So mm -hmm. they contain information and all that stuff. And then they feed that information into an application, something they've developed. And in many cases, there are stacks, like we came up with application tracking systems, there are stacks in, business, in decision intelligence of ways to go into decisions. So if your end goal is employee retention, you do X. If your end goal is to make a profit, you do why? Mm -hmm. If your end goal is to be the best business in the world, you do Z. And sometimes decision intelligence takes something from all three to come up with a decision. Mm -hmm. So any time that you have that much play in data, it's almost like that old thing that I love. So I, I, I'm famous for telling people this. I'm not sure that two plus two is four, but I am sure of the standard deviation of two plus two and four. So I am a statistical person, not a mathematical person. So Statistics has always been able to lie. If yeah. you wanted to say that today is Thursday and four o'clock in the afternoon right now, when it's not, you can make statistics say that. The same mm -hmm. thing is true in, in decision intelligence. And so, Drew, why do we keep creating these tools that constantly look like they're moving to eliminating the human being out of the equation? So the way I see that is it's mostly around money and efficiency, right? Like companies or institutions are going to have a set amount of money, right? Nobody has no institution besides maybe like Amazon has infinite money or maybe the, the owners of Amazon have infinite money. So to make things work and, you know, businesses operate on money, right? Like that's sort of the fuel that keeps them going is getting money from some sort. So having, being able to spend less money and get the same amount of product is usually a win for that business. And I think that's where these sort of intelligent decisions come in. Like if instead of needing to get uh, 20 people in a room and hash out all of the ifs, elses, and thens of you know, launching a product should be, if instead that could just be fed into an algorithm or an intelligence uh, engine, and then have that do the work for you, that like in itself saves money. And then thinking about doing those sorts of activities, like, you know, when I think about this process in my head, it's more of a like, hey, do we want to move to the cloud? Is it every six months? Is it every year? Is it every five years? But really these decisions can be applied to stuff like 24 seven all the time. If people are trying to make, you know, these smart, and I will say, I think people are trying to make informed decisions, but I don't know that that always comes out. But having a uh, a non having a not a person in there to throw in all of their human baggage, in theory, seems like a really good thing for businesses because it should just it should just be pure money savings. But but the, the the side of that, and this is what my real question is, is for technicians. So typically an IT technician such as yourself who gets to the level that you are. So you're not just an IT analyst, but you are a senior IT analyst. And that has other implications like leadership implications. It has uh, uh, technical implications and lots of implications. My question is, is with all the Drews that are out there, and I'm sure there are quite a few Drews out there, including quite a few where we work or where we used to work or where I mm -hmm. used to work anyway, 
quite a few of them, why are we marching to a path of human elimination? So the better these things get at this, and this has been debated for years, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and all these things have been debated for a long time about what it means for human beings for these things to come on, on track. So mm-hmm. we've, had, we've talked about this on this podcast many times of the movies that are out there that stereotype artificial intelligence and human learning, right? So they're going to take over and kill us all. And that might be true. But to me, the path is, is that every time, so decision intelligence. So now all the bankers just lost their jobs, or at least their relevancy in making those kinds of decisions. All the CIOs have lost their job because now a machine can think through these things for them. And so companies can save money there because you start eliminating. So you only keep this little nest of really sharp people who can fix what's wrong with the computers. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we are marching to that path, path at light speed. We are racing to get there. And then we'll have a whole bunch of technicians out of jobs. So we can eliminate the bankers. Okay, we don't need a banker. You, the Chime and all those other people commercial there told us you don't need a banker, right? So you can eliminate the leadership. So you don't need leadership. You just need one person who can make a decision up here at the top because the machines are gonna do it all, spit out a report for you and tell you what the end results are. Why do you need human beings? And I wanna ask that question infinitely. Why do we need human beings when machines can think for us? Yeah, uh, so I think that's a, a great philosophical question. Uh, to me, it seems that as we like make these automation processes better and we are like eliminating the need for humans to do things, someone still needs to run the automation pieces and be and understand how the like data intelligence uh, works because like right That's now why they've got you drew so <laughs> they only need the drews they don't need all the accessories so if you and, I, and I'm, I'm sorry i'm being antagonistic about this oh, no, no. philosophical question is really a real question so as companies become more lean right so they get better they trim off the fat and so you know, in, in higher ed, there is a tremendous amount of fat, right? You've got a gazillion admins, you've got a gazillion of this kind, gazillion of that kind, you've got different level types, you've got senior, junior, advanced, vice president, all these things. But sooner or later, organizations are going to be able to take a clean look at themselves and say, why do I need 10 Drews when I can take Drew, have him create this thing in this say GitHub or GitLab or, or GoLab or mm-hmm. it, it, Kubernetes, any of these things and say, here, go do this. And yeah. as long as Drew wrote the code right, the machine should take off and run from there. Yeah. Now, all the other parts that go to that. So I don't know what you wrote. I don't know what you what the code would be, but all of that is sitting in, a, in the mindset of Drew and your business app that you've developed to, to take over. Yeah. So, I often ask, why would you, Drew, or anyone else write code that would eliminate themselves? And again, it is philosophical because you should write all the code you can write and you know create. But the problem is, is that when these machines really do get a grasp of what it is that we want to do, and yes, we need the back off person. You need, we need Mr. Buckets to go fix the toothpaste machine. But even with that said, why is there a need for all of these humans to do the same thing? Why are we moving toward eliminating people out of their job? Yeah, so that's a, it's a scary thought because I mean, probably the business answer is, is that not everyone is needed if it comes right down to money. Uh, a couple of things that mitigate that are like business logic changes, right? So like the needs of a business when you write an automation thing 
is likely going to be completely different within a year of writing it. Uh, the other thing is like, you know, eventually Drew's going to quit or leave or uh, worse. <laughs> and like, who's going to replace him, right? Like, do you have another Drew waiting in the wings or another, you know, whoever waiting in the wings? And, and like, uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard because you don't just want to have like an understudy for every position either. But maybe you do want, you probably do want people that are learning these methods and like learning how all of these business practices work. Because even if they can't sit down and write something from scratch, they can at least start learning how to sit down and write something from scratch and learning how to do it. And uh, what I've also found is like a lot of times I'll do something that I think is brilliant. And then you get somebody in there to look at it and they're like, yeah, but it breaks if X, Y, or Z or A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And it's like, oh yeah, like, of course, like... <laughs> But that's why you need the cohort of Jews. So I don't think, but what I think is, is the cohort of Jews, as these intelligent apps continue to grow, are going to shrink the size of that Jew cohort over and over again. So, you know, the feel good part of business is we bring in the young, inexperienced, we give them a job, give them an opportunity to see if they'll become a Jew. But yeah. the other part of that is, is that the biggest part of any company's budget is salary. I don't mm -hmm. care who you are, you pay a ton of, because especially if you pay benefits. And so Duke has always had those beautiful golden handcuffs that they've hand, handcuffed people to their desk or their chair or their bed or whatever it is so that you would not leave. But the side of that is, is that Duke may wake up one day and decide, well, you know, we move all of our data to the cloud, right? Mm -hmm. So why do we need people to work on that? You know, so those kinds of questions come up. So the, the, the thing that you mentioned earlier about the decision process, you know, in there is eventually the decision process is going to tell leadership you don't need all of those Jews anymore because I have been able to do this simply faster, quicker, you know, all, all of that at a reduced cost, you know, so it's one of those things. So as much as IT has done for the world, and I think everybody should stand up and give IT a standing ovation from its infancy to who it is today. We have all of these conveniences, cars that drive themselves. Well, not a Tesla. I would suggest you not buy one of them because they seem to be falling off the road uh, yeah. regularly for me. But whatever those cars are, whatever the resources are, we put all these things out here and the more of those we produce, the less of us is needed. So. You know, we don't, so you, you may remember the days, you remember the day every morning you come in at work to see if your jobs ran, you may have a cron job, oh, or yeah. about, see if it ran successfully. What happens when that machine does that for you and corrects the abort that happened at two o'clock in the morning and reruns it, right? So yeah. then the person who's watching the cron job now doesn't need to do that. So in a lot of ways you could say, well, then we can redirect his or her energies over here. But at some point, we get into this, this di dialogue with ourselves about intelligence and what does it mean to us as a society? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great point. And I've, I've always sort of seen it as like, as we get more, like in my, in my current job and previous jobs, like as the team has gotten more efficient, the teams didn't necessarily shrink, but the amount of things they can do expanded so like you know in the olden days i remember people saying like olden days like 15 years ago 20 years ago there were rules like or you know rule of thumbs where it was like well you probably want like one system administrator per 50 hosts or per 100 hosts or per like some relatively low number and that eventually got to a point with configuration management and all that where like 
that number of hosts per admin was no longer like in the double digits. It's now in the triple digits or, you know, quadruple, quintuple digits even. Uh, so being able to increase efficiency like that is I think good, but I think you're right too. Like there is no, like that line's not going to, there's not going to be an infinite number of servers right. in our lifetime. <laughs> Like it may continue to advance, but it's not going to, eventually it has to slow down and that bubble has to like, I guess, I don't know if burst is the right word or level out. But I think like what the great resignation has done for those people who work in hospitality and retail industries and other industries that typically have low wages, um, that's going to happen to all of us. You know, um, of the things that's in our, um, in our chat, for our ongoing chats, you know, we talk about biometrics and things like that, you know, so if you pay attention to commercials, and I do, I watch commercials, I go and look for commercials, I watch commercials, I just sit back, the absurdity of them is just absolutely ridiculous. The lies that they tell about, so this is the best soap ever. Who, based on what criteria, who said that this was the best soap? So, you know, companies are going out marketing themselves and telling untruths and consumers are subjected to those untruths, but those commercials are interesting. So. If you have uh, sleep apnea, they now implant something in your skin right about here, right where the bra and the little hook on the bra is right here on the uh-huh. front, imprint it in your skin. And then you get a little monitor and you click it to it and it makes you not have sleep apnea. They got a chair now for people who have incontinence, right? So you go sit in the chair and it makes you do Kegel exercise or so. Don't huh. roll. So a few people don't know what that is. I won't say no more about that. But um, <laughs> you, can, you can Google that. <laughs> Google that. Um, and then, you know, there is the um, uh, diabetes pod, you know, right? So you wear your diabetes pod somewhere near your kidneys mm-hmm. and it tells you whether you're on track. And then they've got this ECG. You got, you got an ECG bracelet you can wear. They got something called Aura or Quora or something like that, which is a ring you wear on your finger and it's constantly telling you how you're doing. Think about those things, Drew. Think about what those things mean as you walk through the path of life. So if we are getting our medical care from ourselves, so we can go get this thing in plan, we go get this thing. What, what's the purpose of doctors? And so when you think about all of this in the grand scheme of things, we probably have 20, 30, maybe, maybe even 50 or 100 years left of human beings being in charge. But I will promise you that that's not going to stay the case. That number is going to shorten. So as baby boomers die, as people get tired of tech, you know, tech can be very monotonous doing the same thing over and over again. You know, the number of people in those careers are going to shrink. And and that's you you can't pick an industry that that's not the case. We talked about this before. So can you imagine what technology companies and companies are thinking about the great resignation? Replacing these people with people who don't need to quit, right? So I don't need to pay $15, $20 an hour. People who can work 160 hours a day, you know, they are thinking about that because this affected their bottom line. And we know the bottom line governs almost everything in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's it's sort of been going on for the last 10 or so years with even like self-checkouts and things, right? Like that was that used to be a person that had to, right. that had to do that. Right. And now, you know, one person can manage five, eight of these self-checkout lines. And I'm sure they're not getting five to eight times the hey. salary. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and that... I really wish that there was some, and I don't know that this would ever happen, but like if companies are eliminating jobs for things that can be automated, I mean, that seems like that, I don't know. I hate to say there should be a penalty to it, but it just sort of sucks that like 
it's just fine to do that, right? Like if I want to fire 10 people, which is like 10 families, right? Which is going to affect 40 people because I want to drop the bottom line by a dollar. Like that's sort of the American way, right? Right. And it sucks because that's 40 people that are now in uh, in trouble. And right. and <laughs> like we're all humans. We want to help each other. Right. And, and if you take the banking industry, the banking industry is on full broad attack right now. You've got crypto on this side. You've got all of these uh, digital banking things, you know, so Capital One, which used to be a, a real bank, has become, you know, one of these uh, fintechs. And so mm-hmm. all of these things are coming. And, you know, what What we should be thinking about, besides all this gray in my hair, we should be thinking about, you know, how is it possible to preserve careers that are not meant to be technical? So we all can't stand up and say, I want to be an IT technician. This is what I want to do. Because I will tell you, the monotony, the, 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 the discipline, the required stick to itness, fighting through. So, you know, most techs, you run into a problem. Some of them you could solve in a minute, you know, just blink your eye and you've got, but some of them are wicked. Some of them require, you know, real concentration. And to turn that over to a human, to turn brain surgery or heart surgery over to a robot, I'm sorry, turn over to a machine, to automation, to turn brain surgery or, or, or heart surgery over to a robot, to me, that's frightening. But at yeah. some point, it will become so commonplace that you won't even think anything about it, right? Dentistry. Yeah. So if you remember dentistry, it used to be you had one dentist for everything you had, whether you had to have your wisdom teeth pulled, you had to have a, a crown, one dentist. Now they got 15 different kinds of dentists you have to go to. So you got one dentist who can clean your teeth. And that's all they basically can do from what I can tell. It's yeah. clean teeth and then recommend you to somebody who charges you more. Yep. So all of these things are a part of an evolution in our society. And as we evolve with technology and everybody is interested in technology. Now, that's that's not a buzzword anymore. It is the code word for how we work. So yeah. technology, these jobs are going to find themselves smaller and smaller. And people who are there are going to get richer and richer and richer. So yeah. The Mr. Bus- Mr. Bucket theory, right? So we, we talked about this in our talk a few years ago, but like some people make it out. Mr. Bucket made it out. So he, he lost his job to technology, but he made it back to fix the technology. But how yeah. many of us can do that? How many of us are qualified to be Mr. Bucket? Yeah, like less than 100% for sure. And like, I think the, the interesting thing is like, how much less is that going to be? Like how many people are just going to be out of technology in general and have to go do something else? And the numbers probably pretty high which is unfortunate yeah i saw something the other day uh about lawn care so they are making a lawnmower that takes the dimension it measures the dimension of your yard and it cuts your grass precisely you have a setting that you tell it how high you want your grass to be think about that now who cuts our grass right so and some people might not care about these things some people may say okay i don't care you know that's somebody else's problem but as you said we are humans And we should care about other humans because I will say the thing that you could take from early America, especially the 1900s and so forth, is crime gained a new license because the people who had it were in fear of the people who wanted it, right? So you had all of those gangs, those Italian gangs, you know, black gangs, Latin gangs, all of these people who are, are hungry, who are starving, who can't provide for their family. And what do they do? They go pray. Yeah. On, on those who have it. And so expect more of that. So I know we don't have much time, but I want to get one more thing in, Drew. So mm-hmm. one of the things about decision intelligence and all of these things is the bias, right? 
Mm-hmm. So um, it's easy to pick on the insurance industry, banking industry for a little bit, but insurance companies, they're governed by an insurance bureau in each state. So there's one here in North Carolina, they're all over the place. And they basically set the guidelines for how much insurance could cost in North Carolina based on some department of transportation or rubric. I don't know what it is, but something that says about how things should be done, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about insurance, 27701 is East Durham. Most of us live and work in 27705, few of us in 27707, 27713. But when you think about Durham proper, Durham property proper is those 27705, 27707, 27713, and a few of those like that. There's mm-hmm. mostly well-heeled neighborhoods, well-heeled people that live in those neighborhoods. 27701 is a mixture of business and poor economic challenges in there. Is that like the downtown-ish area? Down East, East Durham. Okay, okay. You go in there and park your brand new 2022, uh, let's see, a reasonable SUV. I don't know SUVs anymore, but let's just say you bought a Toyota, the bottom of the line Toyota, and go park it and say, I live in this zip code, 27701. And you live in that zip code for about a month. Your insurance on that car for an adult over the age of 25 will be twice what it is for anybody living in 27705. And and, and so bias is easily incorporated into almost everything we do in our judicial system. You can't pick a place that does not have bias. And so with technology, and, you know, this is nothing negative. It's just a fact. White men created most of what we recognize in all of the logic and reasoning and processes and platforms of the technology we use today. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe bias is included in it, I have a bridge I'd like to sell you. <laughs> it's a reddish orange. It uh, goes across San Francisco Bay. It's very, very nice. And I, I don't want anything more than $10 million. If you offer me more than $10 million, I cannot take it. But that's how bad this is. If you believe that the bias that we see in our technology is not, it doesn't matter. Let me show you that bridge. And I, like I said, I'll, I'll give you a good deal on it. You know, <laughs> I can print up a, a, a title for it right here on my computer. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Like sort of thinking through that, like I've, one of the things that I hated doing as a manager was we had to always like set up an on-call schedule, right? Like nobody wants to be on call. And when you're making an on-call schedule, you have to take into account, like, you know, is the employee, do they have vacation time? Are they actually going to be there and work around that? And, you know, usually like cycle through. Uh, But it was very hard. It was very time consuming for like me as a human to go and say like, okay, this week, this person's going to do it. Then this person, then this person. And then like when you have to trade and you don't want too many people back to back. So like I made a script to do it. Uh, I think it was pretty fair. But as we're like having this conversation, now that I think back, I don't know that it was completely fair because I mean, it's doing what I told it to, right. It's doing the thing that it's doing Drew's brain, but automatically. And like, are there things in that, that, you know, I'm not, or that I wasn't considering at the time. And like, there, there probably were. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, hooray, something automated. But what it really is, is I've just sort of taken my will and made my will do the thing. I don't know that it, uh, like, I think things like that are very easy to like slip into technology and, you know, potentially become an issue. Absolutely. I did a, a presentation for um, 
the California Community College System last week. And my topic was ask and allow, what is white privilege? Um, and a lot of times when you think about things like this, almost always you're in the process of considering privilege, right? So, and, and I'll give you a quick example of what it is and we'll end this, but, but like, just imagine whoever you are in your organization, right? So your boss has granted you some lead way to do things. You don't have to go talk to him every five minutes to ask his permission about something. You can go do it. Privilege. Yeah. Privilege. So he's allocated yeah. some of his privilege to you. And then if you've got someone in the organization that's beneath you and you give them that same latitude, you share however much latitude you have with them, you've given yeah. them privilege. And then so the privilege moves, right? So, but let's just say tomorrow, um, something goes awry with the leadership and they come, we're not doing that anymore. So even though you might think we want to continue doing it, they might not. And so then you lose your privilege, right? So if they yeah. choose that, can you decide to take the day off? Can you give your employee a raise? Can you promote your employee? Any of those things. And so that's traditional privilege in the workplace. It doesn't make difference what color you are. It can be purple and it's the same privilege. Mm -hmm. But imagine being black, right? And so imagine being black in let's just say Rochelle's organization. And in Black and Rochelle's organization, you feel safe, you feel comfortable, you feel at home, you know, you don't, you don't feel like there's anything to worry about. But now Rochelle's organization is merging with Drew's organization and we're gonna become one and Drew is gonna be in charge because Drew is more technical than Rochelle. So we are going to trust that decision. So that was a privileged decision that someone decided to elevate you over me, you know, mm -hmm. considering who I am and considering who you are. And then giving that person, you know, whatever you would. But now that black person is a part of my organization now doesn't know how comfortable they feel anymore because they don't know you. And you say, oh, well, as you get to know somebody over time, you know, you relax and whatever. But whatever your initial bias is about someone, you hold on to that bias as long as you know them and it goes up or down. So either you get less, you feel less biased and less something about that person or more biased, you know? So every time you see them, they're listening to loud music, their hair is all over the place white people that's that's kind of a challenge kind of thing you know like what is this saying this is not we what we expect in our employees this is not the behavior we expect so when you think about privilege in the sense of technology that privilege has existed since its infancy and rarely is it shared now i could go through and list you about 100 black people who have invented things brown people who've invented things yellow people who've invented things even red people who've invented things but the lead still comes from up here not down here in the trenches. Thank you for listening to Eminent Teachnology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.